The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. very rare that I got an opportunity to bring one of my friends onto the podcast. And today is just such a unique opportunity for that. To give you a little bit of backstory of my friendship with Ariana, I'm going to take you back about six years when I showed up for a job interview at a restaurant and saw this beautiful girl with the most stunning eyebrows I've ever seen and immediately decided that she must be a bitch because pretty girls can't possibly be nice girls. I was so grateful to be wrong because in the weeks following and in the months following, while my world and life changed completely, I remember sitting one time after my shift and she asked how things were going for me. And she ended up being one of the first people that I told that I had actually recently left an 11 year marriage. And we didn't really know each other at this point. We were kind of just coworkers, to be honest. And I was 30. She would have been 21. And she started showing up for me in the most amazing ways, helping me host birthday parties, taking the kids grocery shopping for me, just hanging out with us and making me feel less alone every step of the way. Within a year of each other, we got engaged and we got married to two guys who happened to be friends, but we met them separately and went to her wedding last January. I served as a bridesmaid in her wedding last January in St. Lucia. And right after that, we joked about the fact that they're going to have a baby. Maybe we should try for a baby too. And I honestly didn't think that that dream and this joke that we had made or this kind of dreaminess that we had around being moms together would ever really be true. So when I found myself pregnant and got to tell Ariana, and then not long afterwards, she too announced that she was pregnant, but also pregnant with twins. We did the math really quickly and realized that while our due dates were 10 weeks apart, that with twins, she would likely have them early and that we should expect maybe our babies to be born within a month of each other. Well, they were born within two and a half weeks of each other. And now we get to experience motherhood together and just enjoy that our friendship has taken such a curve, even with this nine-year age gap that the two of us have. I'm really excited to bring her on. I think that it is an important conversation, especially for first moms, for new moms, seasoned moms, doesn't really matter going through birth and pregnancy in a pandemic. It's not just a conversation to have now. It's one that we're going to need to have reflectively as the years go on and as people heal from the experience and the loss of a lot of it. I also want to take a pause and just really acknowledge the infertility community, how many have had their journeys and their dreams and their hopes with their friends to get pregnant together put on hold due to this as well. So just know that I hold a lot of space for you as we have these conversations and share in our joys and grief within the pregnancy realm as well. I love you all so much. Thanks always for showing up for us every week. And I really hope you enjoy hearing all about twin birth and pregnancy in a pandemic. Now let's go. Okay. This is actually so surreal because today we actually have my best friend on the podcast. Welcome, Ariana. Thank you. Thanks so much. I feel like I've been listening to you for so long and now it's exciting. I get to be part of it. You're already doing your realtor voice. I love it so much. (laughs) Oh man, I have a phone voice, a realtor voice, a baby voice now. 
get all versions of me. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. So just a quick backstory for everyone. We met, oh my gosh, six years ago. Was it six? I feel like. Maybe more. I don't know. Maybe we, seven. Actually, I, I met you when I came in for my interview and I immediately decided that you were not a nice person because you were far too pretty and your brows were far too perfect. There was no way that you were nice. <laughs> Because in my head, that wasn't a real thing. And uh, you were one of the first people I shared after my divorce. And you really came alongside us as a family. And you've really um, been there for us, whether it was single motherhood. We ended up dating the same like guys who coincidentally were friends. It's just worked out so lovely. You got married last January. And then how many months later or five months later? We got pregnant in June. So yeah, January, June. January, June, pregnant. So things happened fast. <laughs> Talk to me about you finding out you were having twins. Okay. So finding out I was pregnant was surreal in itself because I had um, tried only for a few months, but it's just this like weird feeling of you try your whole life to not get pregnant. And then mm. I just had in my head, like, okay, we'll get pregnant right away. So when I found out that we were pregnant, actually my brother was here um, working out in our gym and I was doing a little workout with him. And then I was like, I got to wait till tomorrow. Cause th- that day was the day I was going to get my period. And I thought, don't do it to yourself. Just wait until you've actually missed it. And Mike was still at work and Luke left. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. Like, what's the worst thing? It'll just say no. Peed on a stick. It was positive. And I had planned before we even tried to get pregnant how I would tell Mike. So I had a mug that said dad goals on it. And I put my pee stick in it and I had it for him when he got home. So that was exciting in itself. But finding out it was twins was crazy because the whole time that I kind of knew I was pregnant, I wanted the real answer from the doctor. I wanted to have a real test, not just a drugstore pregnancy Mm -hmm. test. I wanted that like an ultrasound, a dating ultrasound, you yep. know how far along I was. I almost felt like I couldn't get excited. I couldn't share the news with anyone until I had that real, yes, you are pregnant from the doctor. Mm-hmm. And again, being pregnant in a pandemic is such a weird thing because they don't want to see you at the doctor's office. They don't want to do any extra tests. I remember going in and seeing someone, a doctor that was covering for my doctor. Well, the assistant called me the day of our appointment that I was so excited for. And he said, uh, why are you coming in today? I was like, well, my doctor told me I was going to have an ultrasound. They're like, no, we don't sounds here. So I went into the doctor's office, saw the doctor. And at that time, my husband could come with me. It was the only appointment he was able to come with me to. And it was just our family doctor, but it was someone covering. And at the end of the appointment, he said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah. Am I pregnant? <laughs> like I want to know if I'm actually pregnant. Yeah. I kid you not. He looked at me and said, well, if you uh, peed on a stick and it said pregnant and your boobs hurt and you feel a little nauseous, you're probably pregnant. So I ended up calling the midwives who I had never met. And I said, you know, I'm going to be a a patient of yours. This is my situation. And they said, hang tight. And they got me into a really great ultrasound. I ended up going Sunday morning at 830. So I don't know if they opened up extra slots or sometimes they do a weekend. But anyways, we dropped everything Sunday morning, 830 went. And, um, because of the pandemic, because of COVID, Mike could not come with me. So I had to go in by myself. Mike sat in the car waiting. And I said to the lady, when I got there, Hey, my husband's in the car. Would we be able to FaceTime him when we see the babies? Cause this is my first pregnancy. We're really excited. And she said, no problem. 
So I just remember vividly sitting there in the ultrasound room. They play the radio and it was Justin Bieber playing on the radio. And I thought, this is not what I imagined at all. <laughs> and then the tech said to me, okay, now you can FaceTime your husband. And it had been like half an hour. I thought something must be wrong. Like I must not be pregnant and, uh, or something must be wrong with the baby. I don't know. Yeah. People don't realize they don't show you the screen. You don't get to see no, anything. You You're literally just, just like laying there. I think the whole time you think immediately they're going to be like, okay, here's what's going on. And you just lay there in this daunting weight before they actually turn that screen. So you were in that. Yes. And it doesn't feel good because no. you think something's wrong. And she time. like an external ultrasound. And I even had an internal ultrasound and I'm looking through the screen at this ultrasound screen. And she's like, oh, there, here you go. And I can see Mike's face and I'm looking at the picture and I think, wait, that looks like two. And she's like, yep. I'm like, we're having <laughs> twins. So Mike and I just burst out laughing. I was laughing in tears. I think it was just like a mix of emotions of something I never, ever thought could be real. And it was just this surreal moment. So we drove back from Kitchener, a half hour drive, just laughing hysterically. Mike and I didn't say anything. We just laughed and thought, what in the world? And now I can't imagine it any different. I'm so grateful for our sponsors, not only because they are amazing at helping us produce the show, but also because they're parts of my life that are absolutely important and lovely and help us as a family move forward. Today, I want to talk about Pipette. Pipette is a clean baby and mom care brand with a mission to give every family the best start. Any parent wants what's best for their children, and that includes using only the safest products on their delicate skin. Pipette has quickly become a customer favorite for its ultra-gentle baby lotions, oils, and washes, and right now you can score 30% off its entire collection of personal care items. Wait till the end of this ad to hear how. I want to talk to you a little bit more about Pipette and this brand because they were new to me when I had a baby. I had never heard of them before, and I'm so glad I've heard of them now and can share with you. Pipette sets the standards of clean and best performing products. While the FDA bans only 12 potential harmful ingredients in skincare products, Pipette bans more than 2,000, ensuring its products are safe, effective, and use only non-toxic ingredients available. Pipette's products are also EWG verified, vegan, hypoallergenic, sustainable, pediatrician, and dermatologist approved. All of Pipette's products are made with a key ingredient, squalene. When a baby is born, their skin is coated with a creamy substance called the vernix, which provides powerful natural protection for newborns in the first few hours after birth. The vernix is rich with ultra hydrating molecule squalene, and it has nourishing waterproofing effect on baby's skin. That squalene is your baby's built-in moisturizer and is key to keeping skin safe. But after the protective vernix absorbs, your baby's skin needs an extra little bit of love and care. And that's where squalene comes in. I can attest to this. As soon as baby is born, they have the softest, smoothest skin. And within days, you notice it gets dry. It can get peely. And so many products cause our daughter to get rashy, get irritable. And so we have relied on Pipette for quite a while. It is so, so lovely to use. And she has the most beautiful skin. And I mean, who doesn't love a baby's skin? But it is just absolutely perfect and comfortable for her. It's not even about aesthetics. It's about her own comfort. And she's not 
irritable at all when it comes to her skin anymore. And that just means everything to me. Now about that coupon, you can visit pipettebaby.com and get 30% off with code papaya. That's P-I-P-E-T-T-E-B-A-B-Y.com and get 30% off when you enter code papaya. I hope you love it as much as we do and your little ones as well. Now let's get back to today's show. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. It's so true though. Like I I don't think enough people talk. I think because we don't announce pregnancy until about that 12th week, we don't often get the experiences of what those first 12 weeks are are like, or I guess it's more like nine weeks because you find out at like four weeks or five. I did bad math there. (laughs) Um, yeah, same deal. I, I felt always that the second I would find out I was pregnant, I wanted to share because I knew that a lot of people waited and there was that whole like waiting game. And then, you know, that's the safe time. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to be honoring of this birth, of this pregnancy from the moment of its start and not having it confirmed. Like, yes, you peed on a stick, but let's be real. That isn't a confirmed pregnancy until you get that ultrasound and to sit, I just remember those first weeks. It was, I didn't get my ultrasound until I was just shy of 10 weeks. And it was agonizing, not being able to tell people, not being able to share why you're not feeling well. And then at simultaneously, so excited, your whole world has changed. It's all you think about. And you are just like, I don't even know if it's real. So you almost don't let yourself get there. That was like the first pandemic change that I really felt that impact of was that was the fact that I didn't get to have it confirmed for so long. And I remember finally like being able to tell you and like, just being like, I, I needed to see that image. I needed to have that moment. And then the layer on top of that being, I had to do that moment alone. So all of that, all of those realities really kind of converge into an experience that I think a lot of people right now are like, okay, this is a great time to have a baby. And I would agree, but there's a lot that changes with having a baby and having a pregnancy in a pandemic. And I think for both of us, when we finally knew we were both pregnant in our heads, we were like, well, at least it'll be done by it was like, I was like, at least you're going to have a baby shower. At least you're going to have this. At least all of this will happen. And jokes, none of that happened. We remained in, was it still locked? We were just out of lockdown when you had yours, right? It was still locked down when we went in. Still locked down. Cause I gave birth on January 15th. You gave birth almost not, not even three weeks later. They're supposed to be two months. And they ended up being uh, two, like two weeks and six days apart, which I mean, is very fun for us, but also created (laughs) new challenges for you because I mean, talk me through, talk me through. I just love, I love this kind of part. Talk me through what contractions felt like, because I had just gone through it. So I had seen you that day. It was your birthday. I brought you over a gift to do a porch drop and you just looked off. 
And you had already texted me that morning being like, I'm kind of crampy. And I think I was just too fresh from it that I was like, nope, this is not right. Something, <laughs> this is, this is freaking me out. But talk me through, cause you, you definitely minimized your experience that day of like, you were like, I don't know. <laughs> it was wild to me that yeah. you were just like walking around and like, you know, outside and <laughs> stuff. And like, at the same time, simultaneously actually in labor. So talk me through what that, how that all kind of happened and what it felt like. Yeah. So for, um, for me as a first time mom, I think I just, you see all of these things, you hear all of these things, you hear people's experiences, you maybe watch movies and you have in your head, like, Oh, it must be this really painful feeling. Your water must break. Mm -hmm. And then you're for sure in labor. And so those things weren't happening for me. So in my mind, I just thought, you know, this whole last month, I felt really, really crappy. The pregnancy was very, very difficult. So I just thought, oh, this is just another piece of the pregnancy. I'm just going to feel even crappier today. And that's just how it's going to be for another few weeks. And and that's how it is. Um, And so I I think I totally minimized it because I didn't know what that was supposed to feel like. So I am thankful that you had told me what it felt like for you and how you timed your contractions. But in my mind, I just didn't even know what a contraction would feel like. So I had woken up at, well, at that point point I was every 45 minutes through the night. So I had woken up at like in the morning or something, went to the washroom and had a little bit of like bloody show what someone yeah. would say. And thank God you had told me what that was because I didn't even really know. Oh, you don't have to say told. I text you pictures of my <laughs> mucus plug as it slowly emerged from my body. <laughs> thank God you did because I didn't, I would have no idea, but I'm thankful the whole pregnancy, I've never seen blood. So yeah. that was one indicator to me that, okay, maybe things are progressing. Maybe something's happening. Yeah. And then every time I would see after that, there was more. And so I ended up calling the midwives and just saying, Hey, there's a bit of like what I think would be a bloody show. It kind of looks like a mucus plug. Um, what should I do? And they said, Oh no, you're 33 weeks. Like just relax, take it easy. It's fine. And I thought, okay, it's my birthday. I'm going to relax. You could lose it multiple times. Yes. And I think I had lost it before, but not had blood. Right. Like it had been like this weird kind of discharge that I'd like never seen massive loogie. Yes. Like yes. so weird. And I kept being like, mm, I don't know what this is. And people don't talk about the fact that like when you're pregnant, discharge is like y- you go through three pairs of underwear a day. Like where's the pregnancy <laughs> books on that? I want to know. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. And no one warns you. What no. in the world? Nobody I wants to. to. <laughs> no, because <laughs> it's pretty gross. <laughs> Um, so a pandemic birthday sucks. Anyways, a pandemic birthday when you're eight months pregnant with twins really, really sucks. (laughs) So I thought like, how can we make it special? What can we do? My mom took the day off of work and was going to come and just watch movies with me. We were going to eat some good food and just chill out. Yeah. Um, and funny enough, Mike was supposed to have a showing an hour and a half away or a listing. (gasps) He was going like far away. And I thought, I don't know if you should go, but mostly I thought of that because it was my birthday. I'm selfish. Yeah. I, have birthdays. I always think people should have the whole day off yeah, and you should do whatever you want. So I'm like, come on, please don't go. Like you do this every year. You can't go to a showing. So he switched with one of our partners and he did a showing closer, like in town. Mm-hmm. And while he was at his showing, 
I was sure that these were contractions. And I was only sure because I had texted you and said, like, what is this feeling? Like something's kind of off. I don't know. And then I had called my mom and said, like, hey, like, I just feel a lot of pressure. That was the only way I could, um, like, describe it. Like, it wasn't yeah. really painful. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. But it was just so much pressure. And she's like, okay, time them. So I think I texted you, asked what app you had timed yours yeah. with. Yeah. Started trying to time. I'm like, time what? Like, I don't know. It's just pressure. It's not like a sharp pain. It's not yeah. something that's, like, so distinguished. Distinguished. It was just like a little bit of like weird pressure. To me, it felt like a wave. Like it kind of is like this slow tightness. And then there's like this peak moment and then it comes back down again. So in the early parts, when they're so spaced, you're like, I guess that's it. And I've never found that they intensified. They just kind of got closer together so you could identify them a little bit better. But it is a hard thing. They're not period cramps. Like it, no. it is a hard thing to describe though. Yeah. And no one tells you what it should feel like. I'm like, what is this? I don't know. Because there are so many other pregnant symptoms that no one tells you about that. You're like, well, this, I guess is pregnancy. And it was my birthday. And I swore I did not want to go to labor on my, or into labor on my birthday. I'm like, that is my day. I don't want to spend it in the hospital. I think I jinxed myself. Yeah. And, uh, and people just kept coming for porch drop-offs. There are people driving in with Starbucks. There are people driving in with my favorite thing is chicken nuggets. I got two different kinds of chicken nuggets for me. And all I could think was, Oh my gosh, like something is happening to my body. So then there were two people in my driveway at that time. And I walked outside in my slippers. I had even dressed up like it was my birthday. And then I just said, guys, I got to go. Like, I'm pretty sure like I'm having contractions. So I called Mike. I'm like, are you done? You're showing like, please come home. We had only partially packed our hospital bags. Like I didn't really have clothes in it or anything. Like I didn't know I wasn't taking it seriously. I was 33. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom came home. We started throwing stuff into bags. Mike got home. He's throwing stuff into a bag. I didn't even remember to bring a pillow or a blanket. Like I did not have the things that I needed because I just honestly thought we're probably just going to go and get checked. So I packed up the bags in case. But when we got there, I said, Mike, just wait in the car. Like, I'm probably just going to get checked and we can go back home. Because I've also heard even when you're in labor, like I've heard of them sending you home. Yeah. You pre-labor at home first. I had imagined yeah. the midwives would come to my house first. Yeah. We would go together. Like, I just had every misconception of what was going to happen. <laughs> and we got there and they were too busy in triage to let me in. So I sat in the hospital hallway thinking oh, like, oh, well, this gosh. is so fun. And then, um, my OB is amazing. And she said, you know what, we're just going to make a, a room. So she took me another side of wherever had a little bed and me out there. And I was already two centimeters then. So she said, okay, uh, we're going to check you in, like get your husband up here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening. So I texted my mom, like, Hey, you can go back to work if you want. It's not my birthday anymore. <laughs> yeah. Screw that. <laughs> and, uh, and then we were in like a full labor, I guess. Becoming a new mom made me realize how much my nutrition is lacking when it comes to just reaching for things, not actually taking time to eat and breastfeeding just kind of has sucked the life out of me some days. So having an easy way to add protein and nutrition into my daily routine has been vital. And I've been using Vega to do that. Vega is the number one plant-based protein powder brand. 
Vega products provide convenience without compromise so you can move through your day with the plant-based nutrition your body needs on the go. Everything made at Vega is vegan certified, non-GMO, project verified, gluten-free, and free of artificial flavors and preservatives. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about their three key ways how Vega can support you in your daily life. If you're like me and you're just looking to up your daily nutrition, you can look to upgrade your daily smoothie or level up your afternoon snack. Vega has you covered from protein powders to bars made with real plant-based ingredients. If you want to learn more, you can go to myvega.ca slash nutrition or for our U.S. listeners, myvega.com slash nutrition. Maybe you're looking for immune support. If you're looking for delicious options with nutrients to help support your immune system, Vega has you covered with Vega One and Vega Proteins and Greens. Delicious protein powders packed with vitamins and minerals made with real plant-based ingredients. You can learn more about these at myvega.ca slash immunity, or again, for our U.S. listeners, myvega.com slash immunity. And finally, sport. I want to assume that there are some athletes listening today or just somebody who is looking at uh, complementing their fitness. If you're looking to dial in on your nutrition at every stage of your training, whether you're a start, middle, or a pro, the Vega Sport line is made with real plant-based ingredients like always and offers products for pre, mid, and post-workout. Dial in to your personal best with Vega Sport. Designed to help you build muscle and set yourself up for tomorrow's training, these products are here to power your story. And Vega Sport is NSF certified for sport protein powders and supplements. It also helps you recover, which is key for building muscle. If you would like to learn more and power your story with Vega Sport, you can go to myvega.ca slash sport. Or again, last time for our American folks, you can visit myvega.com slash sport. Thank you so much for listening and let's get back to the show. Now, here's the thing that's kind of unique because I always assumed that if you were having twins, it automatically meant that you were having a C-section. I didn't really hear too often a vaginal delivery. So when you, when we were in prenatals together and you had expressed wanting to try doing a vaginal twin delivery, I kind of did a double take. Cause I'm like, hold on, I'm not even comfortable pushing one thing out. And you're just sitting here being like, I really want to do this. And I didn't realize that the stats are actually pretty split in the middle. It's half C-section, half vaginal and that there were so many requirements for you to be able to deliver vaginally. Can you, can you repeat some of those? I remember one was like the biggest baby had to be, they both, the first one had to be head down, right? Is that one of them? Yes. So they say the first baby that comes out is baby A. So baby A had to be head down for sure. Baby B didn't have to, that's not like a requirement. It's better if they are. Um, but baby a for sure had to be head down and baby a should be the heavier baby. So if it's off by a little bit, it's okay, which actually happened in our case, Mm -hmm. but technically baby a should be heavier because you don't want a bigger baby coming out after a smaller baby. Yes. What, at what point were you able to, cause one thing with the twin vaginal delivery that they warned about as well is, um, it's best to opt for epidural in case you have to go into emergency C-section. So at what point, like how long did you labor until you got that epidural? And can you speak to your experience with that? Because a lot of people are really freaked out by epidurals. And to me, I was like, when I had them, I was like, this is the least of my problems, right? Like this is the (laughs) least of the things I'm concerned about. Like I, it wasn't as chaotic as I felt like it was going to be, but very different than maybe 
I had originally thought. So how is your, I don't, I've actually heard this part. How is your, <laughs> yeah. And I haven't for- really shared my birth story at all. So this is exciting for me. And also I think because it was slightly traumatic, there's yeah. some pieces that I t- totally forget. There's some yeah. pieces that I vividly, vividly remember. Yeah. And I've kind of gone over the whole experience with Mike a few times to put back pieces back together. You and have understand. to digest it. It, it. Yeah. You almost need to, you have to go over it. Like so much has happened. And everyone's like, oh, congrats. And it's kind of like moving on. You're like, rewind the tape. We need to go through this again. I'm not there yet. And I think that's so important. I think that's why birth stories are so connecting between women. And I think they're so bonding between our own, like for, and healing for our own selves. Because for us, it's one of the biggest experiences that you go through with your body, with your mind, um, and in your family. And then it's just sort of tucked away into this one moment and one day when it actually has been built up to for some their entire lives. So it's great to take pause. And I feel like I look over those birth photos. I, I go through like my labor beforehand. I have to digest it over and over again. So I like that you said that because we really don't get to kind of, especially once babies are born, focus is gone. Focus is purely on babies. And, uh, yeah, so I haven't even heard, I honestly, you went, I knew you would, I heard from you when you were having birthday cake and then it went dark. And then all of a sudden, you know, you never want to text somebody when they're in labor. And I was like, shit. And I was the same way. I put my phone down when I was in labor and then I had been texting you all the way up until, and you actually texted me the exact moment she was born being like, thinking about you, hope you're okay. And I was like, it's so funny to look back on that. It was the exact moment, but you really don't want to text somebody that, you know, was in labor. You're kind of just sitting and waiting. So I remember like all night I left my phone on and I was like, I don't know what's going on. So finally by morning, I was like, I haven't heard anything. I'm now panicky. And I'm just like, I need to know what happened. And the shock being you had just had them. Like it wasn't, you had gone through an entire night. We all went to bed and woke up to this news. So talk me through what even happened. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember when you were in labor, like I was on my baby moon and I just kept saying to Mike, I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. Do you think the baby's here? No, it can't happen that fast. Like my brain was racing. (laughs) It's hard. My phone was on loud. I ended up texting your mom and Gemma because I didn't (laughs) want to you, but I so badly wanted to know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I get it. But yeah, the experience was crazy. And I going to preface it with everyone's experience is different. Some mm-hmm. people want an epidural. Some people don't. Some people have the best experience receiving an epidural. And for some people, it's really scary. Um, so this is not to say that this will happen to everybody. But when I went in, my contractions were getting heavier. And, you know, we had the best nurses. I'm so thankful. And I love my OB from the beginning. I had met her and she was just so open and honest with me of things mm-hmm. that could happen. Um, and she didn't really sugarcoat anything. And I appreciated that my type of personality, that's yeah. what I need. So that helped me out a lot. So I had a lot of trust in her. Um, and like you said, I had been warned with twins that they really want you to have an epidural because if anything goes wrong, um, and they have to do like an emergency C-section, then you already mm-hmm. are frozen or like don't have feeling mm-hmm. or whatever. So they don't have to wait for any pain management to kick in because if you're waiting, and the babies don't have time to wait. That can be a very big problem. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'll listen to the professionals for sure. I'll get an epidural. Um, that will be fine because also with twin deliver in the operating room. So, um, that was something that thankfully I had been mentally preparing for because it's not this, you know, beautiful room with dimmed lights and everything's nice. Like 
there were like at least 10 people in there, all in scrubs. Everyone's wearing masks. Couldn't really see anyone's faces. And it's bright. Very, yes. very bright. There was like spotlights but, everywhere. Oh yeah. Like it's not what you really expect your birth experience to be. But at least when you're like having active labor, you are laying in your room. The lights are yeah. dimmed. We even had some time to kind of rest. We obviously ate my birthday cake. <laughs> but as the contractions started getting worse, we thought like, well, I thought I can't handle this. Like, when am I going to have more pain relief? And at the beginning they had given me either it was an oral pain medicine or like in my IV or something. And they said it will last three hours. So for three hours, I could feel the contractions kind of like when I was at home, but they weren't Mm -hmm. very, very painful. And then I started to feel it wearing off. And I said to my nurse, like, okay, I'm really feeling these contractions now. I could not talk through them. They were really painful. And, uh, and she said, okay, so we have two options. Like we can give you another dose of the, um, pain medicine, but it makes you feel a little loopy. And I wanted to really feel what the whole experience was like. And so at the beginning it was okay to feel loopy because I knew I wasn't going to have the babies then, but now we were getting closer or the contact with the anesthesiologist. She's going to be on her way. It's only going to be about 25 minutes. Like, are you okay with contractions for 25 more minutes? And I thought, yeah, like I can deal with it. I wanted to feel what that would feel like. Yeah. Well, that's a good period of time. That will be okay. Two and a half hours later, the anesthesiologist had not come in yet. This is the thing that nobody talks about. And I was in so much pain. Yeah. Like, but this happens all the time. I remember my sister having her first and I had, I don't know how many I had at that point, two. And both times I was like, I want the epidural. And it was like two hours later, I was like, this is not the pamphlet that I received. I thought I asked for an epidural and (laughs) jab that thing in my back. It's a weight. Like there's there's time and it's not even guaranteed if they get called into surgery. There's a lot that I feel mentally you need to be prepared for 25 minutes versus two. My whole labor was like two hours. <laughs> yeah. like that's a long ass time. And it, it just, if I had been prepared, maybe then I would yeah. have had you know the oral medication or I would have, I don't know, been doing some other techniques, but in my mind, I just was thinking, get me to that 25 minute mark. Yeah. And then yeah. an hour before, and I, I remember looking at my being like, is she coming? Like, I need this now. Like, I'm not okay. Yeah. Yeah. How many centimeters were you at that point? Did they check you at all? Five. Okay. Yeah. So really getting intense. Getting ready. Yeah. Yeah. And so finally she got there and I remember watching her walk in and I'm like, thank goodness. Like, hello. So then I thought, okay, it'll just be a a needle. I don't really like needles, but at least it's in my back and I don't have to look at it and everything will be fine. And they freeze you first and that needle does not feel good. Like no, that doesn't feel like a flu shot. That feels way, way, way worse. It feels like a bee sting. Yes. Yeah. A bad one. So they had frozen and then they test to see like, did we freak the right spot? So they had to freeze like three or four times because where they were inserting the epidural was not frozen. So I got like four of those bee stings instead of one, which was painful in itself, but bearable. Like I felt yeah. kind of okay. And then they were putting the epidural in and it was, it was missed like two or three times they had to insert and not. And I was in pure agony. Like that was the most pain I have ever, ever felt. I was really like, I could not stop crying. I was like hyperventilating. I felt like, and they have your spouse holding you. So Mike was holding me because you want on your back, I guess. Yeah. 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 And I'm like rounding back and breathing. He's like, saying all these nice things to me. He's such a good support person, but I was like actually screaming. Like I was in so much pain. And I do remember vividly at this point, 
the most amazing nurse actually took Mike aside, sat, sat him down in a chair and she held me. And I just like my whole body was poured into her and she was telling me what to do and how to breathe and that it would be okay. And, um, but also then I felt like, okay, I can trust my OB. I can trust my nurse. Yeah. Like these people are here and they know what to do. Um, so even though it was the most painful thing possible, I think it also helped mentally prep me for delivery. quick pause and let's talk about our skin. And you know what? Every single time we talk about skin, where do we always focus? Right on our face. But there's more to us than just a face. So it's important to take care of the rest of us as well. Skin is our largest organ and it's kind of silly to take care of only part of it. I've been using Osea to give my skin all the attention it deserves. Coming through winter into spring, my skin was dry and itchy to the point that I was actually getting up at night and slathering on lotions. Now with using Osea, I've been changing that up completely and now it's a part of my routine and I'm not having that same itchiness that I was before. I have been loving incorporating the Andaria Algae Body Oil into my routine and this oil feels luxurious and rich. It is not greasy or sticky. I love the ingredients, the sustainable packaging, and the design is absolutely gorgeous. I don't even mind it being on my bedside table. Osaria Zandaria Algae Body Oil instantly moisturizes and replenishes dry skin, leaving every inch silky smooth. Skin is super soft and glowing with Andaria Algae, ICA Pulp, and Babusu Seed Oil. Osea soaks hand-harvested Andaria Algae in barrels of oil for up to six months. The result is this liquid gold, a rich, luxurious, never greasy body oil, fragrant with sunny citrus and top notes of sweet passion fruit. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very picky when it comes to scent and I have been loving this one as is everyone around me. Osea creates skin and body care products that are powered by the sea. They've made clean, safe skincare products since 1996, completely vegan and cruelty-free. It's also responsibly sourced, plant-derived ingredients, good for your skin and the planet. Female-founded and family-operated by a mother and daughter team, I would love for you to get a chance to try out Osea risk-free for 30 days and get free shipping on orders over $50. They even send free samples with every order. Right now, you can get 10% off your first order with my promo code papaya at oseamalibu.com. That's 10% off with code papaya at Osea Malibu, that's spelled O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U dot com. Oh, it's so luxurious. I honestly, as I'm reading this right now, I'm just itching to go and get it and back on my body right now because it is just the best. I love it so much. It's such a quick, easy way to get that self-care in and I hope you give it a try. Oseamalibu.com. Don't forget that code papaya. Now let's get back to our show. With Bowden, um, when I delivered him, we had to do the actual, I don't remember it being painful, but to be honest, I think I blocked it out seven times. It just never took, it never could get in that right spot. And I think with the anesthesiologists, they're so good at their job and they know they can't push it in the wrong spot. Cause you can get something called a really bad spinal headache, which they told me was worse than delivery. And so they, they really have to kind of like, everybody is so different and they're trained to do this, but it's not it's not a surefire thing. And so I'm glad, I'm honestly glad you shared your experience that, you know, it wasn't as easy as you've heard other people have their experiences. And I think as much as that can kind of freak people out, I think what I realized so much through this whole last pregnancy is 
being freaked out about things doesn't change the experience itself. Being prepared for stuff, being prepared for realities allows your brain to actually conceptualize what it would be if these things happen, to actually be prepared for it instead of feeling pure panic. Had you have maybe known, you know what, it might take two hours. It might not go on that first time. It might take a couple of times. It's going to feel really, it can feel really painful. The panic and the agony that we don't know, it could have been a little bit mentally easier on you. The fact that it, you know, becomes kind of like a trauma for you isn't fun. Like that's not the fun part of birth when the unexpected things happen and then you're left with this memory that isn't great, which sucks, right? Totally. Yeah. So now you've had the epidural because I know you had like, a, like how long did it take between epidural to pushing? So it took a while. And I think what had happened was there were, it was a busy, busy night at the hospital. I yeah. think that there were other births happening and they were waiting for the OR to open and they were waiting for the anesthesiologist mm-hmm. to be available because she has to be there to monitor and gotcha. they need all this different stuff on. So I think that it was kind of, you know, they want to do it fast enough that my contractions are still heavy enough, but they need a place for me to go. So right. because I had heard kind of some things going on and I just, I knew I was ready. I think as a mom, you just know, and it's something like, I can't even really explain, but I knew that my body was ready. Like I was, there was so much pressure at that point. Yeah. And with an epidural, you don't really feel so much, but I could still feel when a contraction was coming. So I knew when I was supposed to push and, um, and so we had kind of slept a little bit. Like they were like, okay, now you've had the epidural, like relax a bit because your body's going to be using so much energy when you get there. Mike took a little nap. They turned off all the lights. I, I fell asleep for a little bit. Um, we just kind of, you know, punched for a bit until the OB came and said, okay, now it's time. So they roll you in. And another weird thing of, I think it's because of this pandemic and because they're trying to minimize people and things. And also because it's a hectic OR, but even like when I went into triage, my husband couldn't be with me. So the first time you left, you're mm-hmm. by yourself. Now we're going into the operating room and he couldn't hold my hand while we're walking down the hall. He had to wait until I was in there set oh. up and then he could enter. So those are both two, like, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but those are no. two big, big experiences. The first time that you're being checked yeah, like inside of you, that's huge. And then you're going into the operating room. That's scary. It's just a lot to have on your own. And even though it's only a few minutes, those are the moments when you want your support yeah. person to be there, whether it's your spouse, your mom, or your sister, or your friend. So that was weird for me. So I just, you know, lay in the bed, they're rolling me in and, <laughs> and finish this operating room. And I think, Oh my gosh, like this is not romantic, not relaxing. It's freezing. Like really yeah. Oh my gosh. Which thank God it was because by the end of pushing, you're so hot. Like I thought it was going to explode like a volcano. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so you're now wheeled in. Did they check you? Were you like fully 10 good to go? Or did you just go the last couple centimeters in that room? I think the last time I was checked, I was about nine centimeters. And still at that point, I had not, my water had not broke. No. So my water was still intact. And I was like, is that normal? Like I thought water was supposed to break. I thought it would break in my kitchen and then we'd rush to the hospital, but that did not happen. So the movies, they lie. 
They do. I'm like, what the heck? Like I thought I would know I was in labor by that, but clearly not. So she ended up breaking my water and she said to me, okay, you'll feel like a bit of pressure or whatever. I didn't really feel anything. I just heard it. And then it was ready, like time to push. And in my mind, I didn't know what that would be like. Like, again, it's one of those things like, oh, contractions, that's a word you hear so much. You should know what it feels like, but you don't. And then, oh, pushing. I'm like, well, push what? Like, are you, are you pushing a poop out? Are you, like, what are you pushing? How do you push? What's that like? So it was just this weird thing. Am I doing it right? We don't push things out of our vagina, like ever. We've never done that before. I remember actually on my first delivery because I actually had an overworking epidural, so I couldn't feel anything that I didn't actually know how to push. So I actually asked them. The only thing I could feel was like some pressure of touch. So I actually had her put her fingers at my vagina because I didn't know where I was pushing. That's the only way that I could localize what I was doing because I just couldn't figure it out. Like we've never done that before. You've never done that before. So how do you know where to push? I think that's why like 95% of people end up pooping. Like it's just such a normal thing. And it also compresses your bowel as it's going. We've learned this, but people are so afraid of pooping that I feel like it holds you back from like pushing. (laughs) And like once you realize that, like, even if you try and hold it back, there's nothing you can do. Like it's going to empty your bowel, like whatever. They never tell you. They just like swoop it away and whatever. At that point, you've lost all um, you know, whatever, uh, whatever, I don't even know pride you had walking in there. It's gone. But like oh, pushing yeah. is such a different feeling pushing, especially like something so large and also something so hard. Like it's, it's a, it's a hit. It's, it's very different. How did it feel? Like, could you feel that? Well, it was weird because similar to you, like when you have an epidural, you can't really feel, and it's mm-hmm. such a hard thing to explain to people because in my mind, if you can't feel it, oh, it must be easy. But it was the hardest thing I have ever, yeah. ever done. I didn't feel the pain per se. And I couldn't really feel where I was pushing. I had to sometimes ask and they would tell me like, okay, pull your legs up further or put, like, that's the push. Like when I was doing it right, they would say, that's it. So in my mind, I would remember, okay, that's how I'm pushing. But my contractions were very, very long and not super strong at that point. I think we maybe had waited too long almost. Mm. Um, so I was pushing like four to five times for one contraction. Oh, geez. Yeah. It would be like, okay, there's a contraction. So I'd push for 10 seconds. I'd take a big breath in and then push again for 10 seconds. Then maybe take two breaths and push again for 10 seconds. And by the time that contraction was over, like I was either going to throw up or my eyes were going to fall out of my head because I was in just like so much different pain. Like it felt like, like the longest workout you've ever done in your entire life. My, I thought for sure, I'm going to burst a blood vessel and my eyes are going to pop out of my head. <laughs> it was, and then I was sweating hot. You're wearing a mask, which yeah. there's, there's so much going on. You're not even thinking about wearing yeah, a mask, no. to be honest. Um, but Mike was putting like a cold compress on my head and he was like waving air in my face. Like I was like, I'm going to puke or pass out. And there's no other option for me. Here. Yeah. And you ended up pushing for how long? Oh my gosh. Three and a half hours. And I remember there's a big clock in this bright OR. And I just remember I kept looking at it. And after half an hour, I was like, okay, that's been a while. Then I looked again and I was like, it's been two hours. Like this is really, really long. And at three hours, I looked at my OB and I said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. At my end, I had no energy left to push. I thought every time a contraction was coming, I was like, please no. Like, I don't know how to do this, but I knew in my mind that the other option was a C-section and I was not 
ready for that. Like that was mm-hmm. what I did not want. So then the OB said to me like, okay, Ariana, like you're doing awesome. The baby might need a bit of help. Like, are you okay if I cut a little bit? Mm-hmm. And I just looked at her and I was like, anything that will get this baby out of me, please do. Like, yes, if that, because I knew the other option would be a full C-section. And yeah. And to me, I just wanted there to be no distress to the baby. I didn't want anything bad to happen. Clearly, like I couldn't push that baby out on my own. And so I did have an episiotomy, which now I look back and I'm so thankful I did. Mm-hmm. Right afterwards, I thought, oh, shoot, like, should we not have done that? What's that healing going to be like? What's that process going to be like? Would that have impacted the babies in any sense? And now I'm so thankful. Like, I don't think my OB would have suggested it if it wasn't yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. So Oscar, Oscar comes out. Now, this is what blows me away with you. You actually pulled him out yourself. I pulled Axel out. Oh, you pulled Axel out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How long, how, how far apart did they actually come? So you've pushed one baby out and then you, they cut the cord and then you deliver the second baby and then placentas. Is that right? Yes. So Oscar came out and then, um, Mike cut the cord. And again, I hadn't known about delayed cord clamping and all of that, but with twins and being so premature, like, yeah. There's no you mess had a whole team like waiting for the baby. And so baby came out. I remember the baby's on my chest. I looked at him and I was like, oh my gosh, Mike said it's a boy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And we knew that we would name um if we had a boy, we would name him Oscar because we didn't know the genders then or the sex yeah. then. And so I um I looked at him. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Mike cut the cord. And then they, they literally take him away right away. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I barely saw what this baby looks like. And then you've just done all that work. And then your baby's not with you. I had imagined like I would hold the baby. It would be this beautiful moment, but he was just whisked away. Um, and I could see from the corner of my eye, like at least four nurses there with the baby. And so I said to Mike, I'm like, go, like, go with the baby, go see the baby. Like I'm fine just go. So he went over and made sure that the baby was okay. Cause in my mind, I just needed to know that he was mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. And then a few more pushes, 17 minutes later, Axel came out and he was almost out, I guess. And I remember with Oscar, the OB said like, Oh, do you want to see, like, do you want to touch like his head's coming? I'm like, no, no. I just want him out of my body. <laughs> Normally I would have said yes, but that was, I, like, I couldn't, I was like, oh. no, thank you. It was just so long. I'm like, I don't want any extra seconds of this feeling. Just get this baby out of me. And so I also remember, and this is not against anyone who had an easy labor because I feel very happy for you. But I do remember looking at my, after Oscar came out and saying, this makes me hate anybody that says, Oh, I pushed twice and my baby came out. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I feel like shit. This yeah. is terrible. Yeah. So then 17 minutes later, Axel came out and the OB said, okay, he's here. Ariana reached down. And I guess like his head had come out and I reached down and pulled him out of me. <gasps> and I just felt like as soon as Oscar came out, I was like, I'm a superhero. I, yeah. I can do anything. So then pulling him out while I was feeling like that, like it must've been like the most amount of endorphins of life. Like I just <laughs> felt so amazing. It's and so my chest and, and it was just that was like a beautiful, beautiful moment. But I do remember too, like I pulled him out, he's on my chest and his mouth was open. Like he was wanting to cry, but no noise was coming out. And I just kept saying, is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? 
and like looking at Mike, like make sure that he's okay. Yeah. And then he cried and I'm like, Oh, thank God. It's honestly, it's, I'm glad that you said that about it, it kind of being a lot of pushing and hard because I had a lot of resentment after my first, because it was multiple, it was 18 hours of labor, multiple hours of pushing and episiotomy. And I watched everybody else after me just like have two stitches and like nothing, like they just had these quick labors. And I was so, I didn't want to be like, that shouldn't, the reality should be that we feel better, but I just felt very, I don't know, like I felt alone in my experience. So then by the time I had Gemma, I remember being like, is this what everybody else is talking about? Like, is this what delivery is? Because it was so much less intense. It was a lot quicker. She came out in 20 minutes and it was just like unbelievable, the changes of things. And so being able to live and experience like so many different variations of labor and delivery That's why I think it's really important that we talk about all of them. And we don't like highlight, oh, they only came out in like two pushes because sometimes really, really fast labors can be so much more intense and not controlled and can be really scary. They can be really traumatic too. And, you know, I think it's so important that we kind of like have these conversations. Like, you know, I literally had Lemmy in like two and a half hours and, you know, that was my fourth child. It's, It's so hard to compare our stories. And yet, we do this. We have these comparative experiences and we love to bond over our birth stories, but sometimes they can feel, they can really make you feel small, especially when people have a C-section or they have the epidural or, you know, when I did the home birth, my biggest fear was that everyone was going to think I was like, I'm now like the highest form of mother because I birthed at home. I was like, this was not my prime choice. Like I did this out of generally fear of being separated from my family in the middle of a pandemic. I'm so grateful for it, but there's a lot that kind of goes on that people aren't, unless you've been pregnant and and birthing in a pandemic, I don't know that you can fully grasp and understand how different this is. And you recently made a post that kind of went, um, you know, it got, it got shared a lot. It got shared a lot. And, you know, I had, I've been through pregnancy and birth from this pandemic. You ended up having NICU babies. They were in NICU for a month, a full month. And talk to me about this post because in it, you basically share about, you know, in the NICU days, I'll just read a little segment of what you wrote. And it said, it started in the NICU days when the midwives and doctors said, make sure you get rest. It's really important for you to take it easy, not to try and walk around too much or you'll keep bleeding, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the NICU nurses said, it's important for you to be here with the babies. Do um, They'll do better if you can hold them. Make sure to keep pumping. Try to breastfeed. All while between two hospitals without any help of my partner because we each had to be with one baby. I kept thinking, how can I let myself heal while also being there for the babies? How can I do everything that everyone is telling me to do? It felt like a losing battle and I was always doing something wrong. Because the fact is, there is no guidebook yet for delivering in these times. And in this scenario, it is full of grief. It is full of lost experiences. It is full of, you know, you're talking about, I can even notice you almost like, I know it was only a couple minutes, like going down to the operating room, but not having your husband holding your hand in that moment. That's something that you have envisioned since you were a little girl. Like that is loss. Like you not, you're your baby shower being virtual and, you know, your mother not being able to be there at birth. Like these are losses. There is a lot like, and it's, and it's hard because as you talk about them, you immediately go, but we have these babies and it's so great. And everything worked out in the end. And there is that highlight reel to it, but reality being 
there's a lot of grief in the experience. How have you, you know, you wrote that obviously it connected with so many women because it got shared very widely. How have you been, um, kind of coping with that grief, uh, of what could have been, um, if it was not a pandemic? Yeah. I'm happy that you said that it's like a a loss because Mm -hmm. for me, like I dreamt about having kids more so than I ever dreamt about my wedding. Like for me being a mom was like my whole life. I think I said that to you, like one of the first times I met you, like, Oh yeah, I'm meant to be a mom. Like I always had felt like I needed to be a mom. And so for me, even throughout the whole pregnancy, like my pregnancy was really, really hard. It was tough. And I never said it. I never complained to people. I never wanted to say something negative because I felt so blessed and grateful that I was pregnant. And I almost want to like jinx, like something with the babies, like, Oh, this is bad. And then something bad happens. Like, I just felt like it was so fragile. I was praying all the time that nothing bad would happen, that things wouldn't change. It was almost like I could never be fully excited because I always thought something bad was going to happen. And that's such a weird feeling, but on the outside, I always wanted to just be grateful and be happy and let people know that I was grateful and happy. So I never wanted to complain, but then I think I never gave myself the grace to actually feel how shitty I was. Like Mm -hmm. I never was like, okay, you're allowed to feel allowed to be upset that you throw up in your sleep because your heartburn is so bad. Like you're allowed to feel shitty about those things. Um, and so that was really tough. And then, like you said, the Mickey days come and I just never had in my mind that we would be in the NICU. I don't know. I probably should have with twins. Like you were so much more likely to go into NICU and then two weeks passed and I'm like, we're not home. Like, where can we, how, how is we're going to get through this? What is going to happen? And I think a lot of it too, I haven't even processed. Like you said, it's loss, it's grief. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the right way to process that is. So through social media, like you said, like I had connected with so many other twin moms when I was in NICU, um, who let me know their stories and told me like the best advice someone had said to me that really stuck with me from day one was, um, don't measure, um, progress daily measure progress weekly. So don't look at the things like every day, something's great's going to happen and something bad's going to happen and they're going to regress and they're going to progress. But after a week, the change you see is so incredible. So don't get stuck on those daily or hourly things. Like look at the progress week by week. Um, and that helped me a ton, but then I had other people reach out to me who were thought they might be in NICU or who just had gotten to NICU. And so I just felt like it was a great mix of people helping me and me being able to help other people because I don't think I'm fully, you know, healed of what happened or I even fully comprehend what's happened. But I definitely think that, um, that by talking about it and by sharing and by hearing other people's experiences, um, it helps to validate your feelings, but also know that like, you're not alone because Mm -hmm. it's a place where you feel very, very alone, especially through a pandemic. And thank God we had twins because I do not function well by myself. But there were so many singleton parents in the NICU and only one parent can be there because yeah. each patient in the hospital only gets one support person, yeah. which to me, like, okay, if the mom has been discharged, they should still be treated like, like they still need yeah. the support person yes. or the dad, the dad still needs the support person. Like, yes, it's just this crazy thing. And we, I, I know we say all the time, we want dads to be involved. We want them to you know, have this connection with the babies. And then 
through this pandemic, it makes it virtually impossible for yeah. a spouse to, to be part of anything. Yeah. I was terrified for that. I was so grateful that we had things like the prenatal classes, which I didn't feel I needed, but I ended up learning a lot. Um, but we did them <laughs> yeah. together and just watching the guys kind of like, that was their first and only pregnancy experience was kind of like learning through that. And you know, it, it, it is very devastating. I felt very devastated for Shane. I felt devastated for myself. This was our one and done. We're not having any more. So I really thought at some point in the pandemic, it was going to change and that he was going to get to be more involved. Like you said, like there is this encouragement to kind of, you know, have these support systems in place, but yet, you know, you, it doesn't always come down to it. You always have like these moments, like, you know, whether you're, when I was bleeding and had to go to the doctors by myself, your first ultrasound, like finding out it's twins by yourself. Like there's a lot. And like, yes, there's nuances to this because a lot of people have to go through pregnancy by themselves no matter what. And I guess there is that highlighting factor of my gosh, I will always think I think reflectively, I want to think more on what it's like for those who kind of go through it by themselves, because now I know how isolating it can be. And I know how strange it can be. And then moving into postpartum, I mean, we dreamed of just like sitting and watching TV and having our babies hooked up to boobs all day. And now, you know, even right now we're like on a virtual Zoom call. This doesn't feel real. This is something that we jokingly talked about for years. And now we're even missing out on this time. So it's just like, we keep planning like by the summer, we can get the kids in the pool and by this, we can do this together. And it's just all happening so fast. And you kind of have to keep up with processing your own grief through it because I am so great. I'm so grateful. We both had these babies. I'm so grateful that we both came out of it with such amazing, you know, experiences all said and done, but you can't just brush past all the things that were lost in, in that as well. So I'm so glad you spoke on that. I'm glad you continue to share. I know we're like rounding up an hour here, so I'll kind of end yeah. us, but I honestly am just, I'm so proud of you. You've made just, I don't know. You've always been, I, re I remember when you were in the hospital within the NICU and I said, how are you doing today? And you said, I'm okay. And that's the most negative thing you ever said was I'm okay. And then I was like, oh shit, the world's on fire. Like Ariana's not okay. And <laughs> Shane's like, how do you know? I'm like, cause she said she's okay. That's the lowest she'll ever say. Like normally she's like, I'm good. I'm great. Like this. And she, when you said I'm okay, I immediately knew you weren't okay. So I think there's, there's something beautiful to, you know, your positivity through everything, but also the fact that you're now digesting and kind of alchemizing this experience into, yes, it can be so beautiful, but don't minimize your feelings in this. There is so much to process. So I just really appreciate you kind of sharing your story. I love a good birth story. It was so fun to like, I don't know. <laughs> it still just blows me away. You push two freaking babies out of your body. Oscar and Axel are just like the <laughs> cutest little human beings ever. And I'm just honestly oh, so excited for these kids to grow up together. I think it's going to be like the most fun. Gemma's like gunning for us to like move in next door to you so we can just like <laughs> run a little home daycare. Like, I don't know. I don't know what she's gunning for, but she really thinks that's going to happen. So she has lots of plans for us and I'm game for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Everyone listening. Um, 
obviously we've run out of a bit of time. I would love to have even gone even further into the NICU experience, but you know, what's great is social media. So you can go and find Ariana on Instagram at Ariana underscore joy underscore Christy. And I'll have that in the show notes as well. I remember changing your name on um, Instagram when you were drunk at the bar after you were literally like married and we're like drunk at the thing. And I'm like, what's your Instagram handle going to be? And you're like, I don't know. Let's change it right now. We're wasting. You're like, let's searching up your name and uh, Ariana Joy Christie. That's how you find her on Instagram. <laughs> that was like, oh the my gosh, I remember that moment. <laughs> which is shocking. <laughs> shocking. We remember anything from that whole trip. <laughs> very, very shocking. My gosh. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I hope everyone gets a chance to go and connect with Ariana. I think she's kind of the best thing ever. And I'm really glad that she's now got a little bit more time to be on social media. So you can kind of join in their journey uh, through being a twin mom in a pandemic as well. So thank you so much. Thanks there. Okay. Bye everyone. We'll see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.